Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. This may sound a little weird, but I was trying to think of what are the most difficult things that God has asked us to do. What are the hardest things that he has required of us? As I thought of various things, I found myself coming back to one thing out of which all of the others seemed to spring. I found myself always coming back to submission, which is the subject of this episode, because that is what it requires of us all, to submit to his will. I looked up the definition of submit in Webster's New Universal Unabridged Dictionary. The simplest and most fitting definition was the first one out of seven that Webster's gave. It was to give over or yield to the power of authority or of another. Properly understood, submission is the most difficult thing of all. Some see submission as weakness, not being strong enough to stand up for oneself. Others see submission as important for everyone else, but fail to see the need or place of submission in their own lives. Yet, my friends, when we think about it, submission is at the very heart of our relationship with God. Until we submit to Him, it is just impossible to enjoy the full blessings of the Lord. Let's go to James chapter 4 and read the first 10 verses. Again, that's James chapter 4 verses 1 through 10. We find these words. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It's not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members. You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. And you are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. In these verses, James tells us the importance of submission and gives us some reasons why submission to the Lord or even to others can be so very difficult. Looking at the passage, I believe we see James teaching us that our desires can make submission challenging. For the people James wrote about, their pleasures got in the way of their walking with God. 
What I mean by that is that it seems that they put what they wanted ahead of everything else. This led to all the corrupt actions he wrote about, the selfishness, the quarreling, and so on. They were not interested in submission because they were too worried about satisfying their own desires. Well, we have the same challenge today. We have so much luxuries to satisfy every desire, and I'm not just talking about base or sinful desires. Most of us have the wherewithal to do pretty much whatever we want to do. Having that wherewithal challenges us to put our personal and doable desires into second place and do the things we know we should in service to God, placing Him in what He has told us He desires of us first. That is not all, because James clearly indicates that pride gets in the way of submission. He wrote, God is opposed to the proud. Part of the problem is just plain old human pride. Many just don't want to submit to the Lord or anybody else, because we get to thinking that we're too important, too smart, too capable to surrender to anyone else's way of thinking. We can go all the way back to the first man and woman and find this problem, pride, there. In Genesis 3, 1 through 6, we find, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. All three of the things set forth in 1 John 2.16, including the boastful pride of life, were there. Nothing has changed. Pride tells us that we do not have to obey. Pride gone to seed tells us we don't need God or anybody else. Submission requires honesty. When we do choose to submit to the Lord or to others, we have to go inside and face some facts. That is, we have to be honest with ourselves. In James 4, that honesty was based on facing the reasons their prayers and fellowship were so messed up. It was because of their selfishness and pride. These believers had to face the truth that their motives were not pure. They were fighting and arguing all because they would not admit their own shortcomings. Submission calls on us to be honest. We have to admit that we do not have all of the answers. We have to admit that we are not perfectly sinless. We have to admit that we may have selfish motives and evil thoughts from time to time. We may not like facing that, but if we're truly going to submit to the Lord, we have to start with an honest look at ourselves. A lot of people, and apparently some of the Christians to whom James was initially writing, will not submit because the first thing they have to do is to admit their, feeling, their failings. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but submission requires trust, real trust. Jesus taught us that if we will submit, God will exalt us. 
Remember Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Before anyone will submit to God, they have to trust that and believe in that statement. Again, it can be hard to let go of our choices and our thinking and absolutely trust that if we simply submit to the Lord and do things his way, he will make the doors open and success will come. That's a tough thing to trust the Lord enough to submit to him. I believe that is why so many reject Christianity as revealed in the scriptures and why so many Christians seem to have a hard time enjoying being a Christian. They just have not learned to trust him enough to believe that doing these things his way will work for our benefit and our good. It is often said that repentance is the hardest part of what God asks us to do. But repentance will never take place without submission. The starting evidence that one has submitted is repentance. A person cannot come to Christ unless he or she surrenders their ways and thinking and turns around to go in the Lord's direction, and that is repentance. We may believe in the Lord, but no one submits or surrenders to him until they repent. Look with me at Mark 1 verses 14 and 15. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We all know Acts 2 and verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Move over just one chapter and see what Peter said in verse 19. Repent, therefore, and return, that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repentance compels us to be honest, to admit that we are sinners. It requires us to give up our pride and do things God's way. It challenges us to give up our pleasures and do what God wants. Submission is evidenced by repentance. We see this process repeatedly in the Gospels. For instance, in Luke 7, beginning with verse 36, we see Jesus eating in the home of Simon the Pharisee. As the meal progresses, a woman with a bad reputation came in and began to anoint the Lord's feet with perfume and wash them with her tears. That is what she did. But verse 39 tells us what Simon was thinking. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. After Jesus told the brief parable of the moneylender and the two debtors he forgave, we find in verses 44 through 48 of the same chapter, And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered her ho your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Simon was stuck in his thinking. 
in his pride, in his ways. Submission and repentance did not seem to matter to him at all. The woman, honest in facing her sin, ignorant of any pride, trusted Jesus to be kind and forgiving. Simon left the dinner unchanged. The woman left saved. The difference was submission. There is another story in Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, that demonstrates the same thing. Two men went up to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was proud of himself, even bragging to God about his own righteousness. He looked down on others, including the tax collector. The Pharisee was oh so happy with himself, unwilling to admit any faults and absolutely full of pride. All of the things that James wrote about in James 4. Meanwhile, the tax collector was humble, refusing even to look up to God. He admitted that he was a sinner, faced his faults, and in his humility sought God's mercy. Look at what Jesus said about these two men in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but he who humbles himself shall be exalted. The Pharisee went home unchanged. The tax collector went home right with God, and the difference, once again, was submission. Luke 22, verses 54 through 62, tells us the story of Peter in the courtyard as Jesus was being tried. Peter three times denied he even knew Jesus. This from a man who had followed Jesus closely for three years or so. He was one of the inner circle, we might say, of Peter, James, and John. Yet on that particular night, he failed because he refused to submit. Instead, his own welfare took first place. Peter was afraid that he too would be arrested. So he looked out for himself. We see pride, desire, and selfishness all over this event. We can see why submission is so important. Its absence can cause us to deny the very Lord we claim to follow. Peter failed because, like the people in James 4, he failed to keep on submitting to the Lord when things were risky or the situation looked bad. It was only at the end of the episode that Peter, according to Luke 22 and verse 62, went out and wept bitterly. Now I want us to consider Jesus at the end of his ministry. In John 13, Jesus was about to be arrested, betrayed, and put to death. In the upper room where he instituted the Lord's Supper, Jesus did an amazing thing. In verses 3 through 5 of John 13, we find Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself about. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Here was Jesus, the Son of God, taking the job of the lowest household slave and washing the dirty feet of the apostles. Note some critical points. Jesus knew what God had given him. He knew where he was about to return. That is, the Lord trusted that God the Father would do all he had promised he would do when he sent Jesus to die. The Lord's death would be gruesome, but God would raise him up and restore him to his rightful place, the glory that he had had with the Father before the world began. 
Jesus trusted the Father. The Lord abandoned all sense of pride. He humbled himself and took on that lowly job, ignoring pride or status, doing something that none of the apostles offered to do. He knew himself. He was honest in facing himself. He knew that washing the apostles' feet would not change him or make him less than he was. In his subjection, Jesus was doing the things that James had talked about. Look at verses 14 through 17 of John 13. Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you ought also to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, neither is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The challenge for us is simple to identify. Can we do what Jesus did? Can we empty ourselves of pride and serve others? Can we trust God that our status is secure and getting our hands dirty won't kill us? Can we put our wants aside and meet the needs of others? Can we be totally honest with ourselves and submit to one another? And most importantly, will we completely submit ourselves to God, doing what he asks of us in the way he asks us to do them? Give consideration to these thoughts, and thanks again for listening.